You can be seated. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. My name's Chris, and uh, I am so thankful to be with you on this Global Outreach Weekend. About eight years ago, what drew me to this church was our love for the nations. I even have the t-shirt on, okay? And uh, we are a church that loves to raise up some of our best and train them up to go to places that have little access to the gospel, that disciples might be made and the church might be multiplied. We're a church that loves to learn from what God's doing around the world and let that inform what we're doing here in College Station. And then we're a church that loves to be what Jesus called a house of prayer for all nations, where people from all over the world that come to our university and our city can come and find and follow Jesus with us. That's what I love about Grace Bible Church, and that's what we're going to celebrate some this morning. So I'm kinda, I kind of reached a new stage in life, and it has an acronym OLD, or OLD for short, okay? So my son just entered college as a freshman. Any parents out there that remember that transition? And uh, my daughter, is, she's in here, so I won't embarrass her, but she's starting to think about, she's a junior at Consol, and she's starting to think about where she might want to go to school. And I'm just kind of like, whoa, what happened? How did I get these, this many gray hairs? How did I get this old? And, you know, there's that stage, you parents can relate to this, where you look back and your children are small in those home videos or those pictures, and there's a little bit of nostalgic sadness. Those of you that aren't parents yet, you do that to your parents' hearts, Okay. But what overpowers that is my father's heart. I don't want to go back to when my kids were young. I'm actually looking forward to the empty nest years, you know. But I also, the father's heart wants my kids to thrive. I want my kids to outrun me. I want them to outpace me. I want them to do greater things than I. And I think that's a reflection of the father's heart for us. And so... A.W. Tozer and C.S. Lewis, kind of before Twitter came out, they had this Twitter battle back in the early 20th century, um, almost, and A.W. Tozer said this, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us, and it wasn't long after that that C.S. Lewis read that, and he said, oh, no, 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 he got it wrong, how God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important, so I've been hanging around with Aggies. I know not to argue with smart people, right? We're good at that. So I just combine these two, and I'd like you to ask you this question. Thinking about the Father heart of God, that Jesus' heart for us, just like my heart is for my kids, I'd like you to just think about this question this morning in the context of missions. What comes to your mind and heart when you think about God and how he views you? You see, if we get this question wrong... We can be well-intentioned as we go to the nations. We can be well-intentioned as we try to reach our neighbors, but we can create some massive train wrecks if we're motivated by guilt, if we're motivated by a false view of who God is. It can be kind of like Henry Thoreau said. He said that if a mob of well-intentioned men are on the way to your house, run, young man, run. We don't want to be that. So I'm going to look at one verse this morning. My job is to shut up quick enough that you can hear from some of, some of the folks that we've sent out of our body and are sending out of our body. And so we're just going to look at one verse this morning, and it's John chapter 14 and verse 12. And it says this. It's a, it's a crazy verse. God says some, Jesus says some crazy things here. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, which in your Bible means he's kind of saying, draw attention to this. This is hours before he's arrested, before he goes to the cross. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. That's a pretty crazy statement for the the, the person that spoke the universe into existence, to say that to whoever believes. So let's look at this a little bit, all right? The first is, I don't want you to disqualify yourself. I want to point out that this is a promise for all believers. Jesus didn't say, apostles, this is for you, or Pastor Brian, this is for you. He said, whoever believes. So if you sit in front of me today, and I join you in this, and we believe that Jesus on the cross took the penalty for our sins and created a relationship that we can have with God, whoever believes, this is a promise for us. Pretty amazing. 
In fact, John kind of has this drumbeat as he builds up to this crescendo verse where he uses this whoever believes term again and again in the, in the book of John. And look at some of the other promises that he's building our faith to the point that we can actually kind of digest the verse that Jesus, that in John chapter 14. In, in John chapter 5, he says this, whoever, I'm old, I can't read that little words back there. I got to turn up here, you know. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Okay, yeah. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Those are all verses that we're like, yes, that's me. That's what Jesus does for me, whoever believes. And then Jesus throws this one that takes a little bit more faith to see and a little bit more thought to understand. And he's really challenging his disciples, challenging us with whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these. So let's take this apart just a touch. The first is our whoever believes family is bigger and more global than you may think. Have you ever just wondered what it'd be like just to watch people respond to the gospel? Well, let's do that, okay? So this is just a random video of one little tiny ministry that crew started and then spun off this is a live look-in. It's actually not live. I recorded my screen last Friday at about 1 p.m. This is a live look-in of people responding to the gospel through the internet sites and videos that this ministry puts out. The blue dots are people seeing the gospel. The orange dots are people saying, yes, I'm ready to trust in Jesus. And the green dots are when an older believer helps a younger believer follow Jesus in a discipleship moment. How amazing is that? Look where those dots are popping up from. Could I, if I had this website on in my work, I would never get anything done. I would just be like, yay, Jesus, yay, Jesus. Oh, there's another one, there's another one. Yes, yes. The whoever believes family is much larger. Those who follow Jesus, I don't think we quite comprehend. I want us to upgrade our picture. It's kind of like walking into grandma's house and she's got that picture of you in your butterfly collar. Those of you, at least in your 40s, can probably relate to this, right? And you're like, Grandma, could you put a better picture of me up, right? So let's just upgrade our picture of the church right here, okay? So I want you to look at this. This is the top 20 countries in the world by the percentage of the population that are evangelical Christians. So not just people that claim Christianity, but people that actually have put their trust in the gospel this is from the Joshua Project Research. This is the top 20 countries. Who's not there? Can you believe that? That's not like, oh, woe is us. That's like, oh my goodness, God, you are doing this. The church is so much more global, so much more diverse than especially those of us that grew up in Texas sometimes fathom. 85% of the church lives outside of North America and Europe. Is that a newsflash to at least some of us? That's beautiful. God is working in an incredible way. I got, we're number 21, okay? So there's, there's the United States. And 26% is not bad, all right? Like, that's awesome. So this isn't pity party for the U.S., but God is doing this. Our whoever is much bigger. This is a picture from the last time I was in northern India and I was in just this small room of pastors that were leading uh, this movement of churches. And they decided to get on the whiteboard and write down all of the people groups that were either unreached people groups on the left or totally unengaged people groups on the right. So on the left are people groups where there's very little access to the gospel. On the, on, let's see, yeah, on the right is people groups where there's no believers believed to be in this. And this is the list of people groups that they've now planted house churches in, in the last six months. And I'm just in this little tiny room of these guys. Some of them learned how to read in order to study the Bible as adults. Most of them have no former higher education. And 35 unreached people groups where the gospel is, is, is very difficult to access. They now have churches amongst them. And then how many is it? 15 people groups that before this meeting in, in the database, it was shown that there is no believers and they have 15 house churches. And it's like, that's just one group of pastors in Northern India. Like, I don't know if we can quite grasp that. 
Whoever believes is this beautiful global family. God's doing great. We're alive at a time in human history that is unlike any other, where God is moving throughout the nations, and he's growing this whoever believes family, and he's empowering and equipping all of them to fulfill this promise. And he says to all of these believers, he says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now you might think, that can't be talking about me. Like, I don't have gifts. I don't have the skill set. I don't, I, don't, I don't have, what, does he say anything about that? We recently sent a team out to Central Asia. All, most of the stories I'll tell this morning are about Central Asia, a focus area of this campus where we're trying to just pray and focus a lot of our work. A team we sent out into Central Asia, a short-term team coming alongside a long-term team. And uh, one of the guys ate some food his stomach wasn't used to and got food poisoning, something that happens when you go cross-cultural sometimes. And I mean, he got sick, sick, like totally, totally bummed that God wasn't going to be able to use him in this place. So he's, he's just sick. We'll just use hand motions instead of words, okay? He's very sick. His wife, the only thing he can stomach a little bit is smoothies. So his wife goes to the shop that sells smoothies, and the person making the smoothies, they strike up a conversation, and, and her nickname, we'll call her Barry, okay? Barry. And they have a conversation, and the only reason this wife meets this woman is because she's buying a smoothie for her sick husband, Barry ends up, long story short, hearing about Jesus, deciding to put her faith in Jesus over the course of a few conversations. Uh, the wife keeps going back to get smoothies. Starts discipling Barry. Barry starts sharing the gospel. Like, it's beautiful that here's husband thinking, how could God use me? He can't do greater works through me. I'm, I got food poisoning. I'm on my back. And yet God chooses to use that. Another friend of mine, a worker that we're connected to in Central Asia, he uh, is taking his kids to school. He gets pulled from his kids' hands, taken into the police station, and roughed up. We'll just say it like that. Roughed up pretty bad, like, like bruises, black eyes, kind of roughed up and interrogated over his work. And man, just a hard day. You don't expect that. You don't expect this verse to look like that. Two weeks later, same thing. Gets roughed up interrogated, interrogated. Two weeks later, roughed up, interrogated. Three times, this guy's just gotten, just smacked around, beat up because of the work that he's doing, making disciples. Two months go by, nothing. He's starting to kind of relax, start, he's healed, and he gets a call at about 11 p.m. at night, kind of, kind of is getting ready to go to bed, and it's the lead official that's been overseeing these interrogations. Guy pretty high up in this ministry, we'll just call it the Ministry of Affairs, we won't say which one, and the guy says, I'm coming to pick you up right now. My friend was like, oh. hangs up the phone, walks out, gets in the car, and he's just surrendered to it. He's just like, okay, let's go do it. Let's get it done. And the man looks at him and he says, uh, we've interrogated you three times. I've never seen anything like it, you, either, either you're on drugs or you've got a source of peace that I have to know about. And he put the car in park, and my friend got to share Jesus with him. And two days later, he's getting baptized in his bathtub in front of his whole family. His whole family trusts Jesus. Like, how beautiful is that? That the whoever believes that as Jesus fulfills these promises, it's him working, sometimes through our greatest of weaknesses. But this has nothing to do with your skill set or how awesome you are, everything to do with Jesus' power of him working through us. We are doing the works of Jesus, and, ev and, and, uh, Jesus and even greater works than these. So I don't, sometimes when I worship, I'm kind of, I've lived in multiple places around the world. I just think about different images of the church, of churches that I've been in. And I just want you to just kind of take a peek at all the churches that have come online as the sun has kind of circled the earth this morning 
we're kind of one of the last churches to come online and worship our God, but this is just, a, just some images of what the global church looks like around the world. Like, our brothers and sisters, all of us have been, been placed into this family, and Jesus is saying, I want to equip you to do the works that I do in greater works than these. And so, what are these works? What immediately comes to my mind is like, oh yes, I get to walk on water. I get to raise the dead. I get to like walk around and anybody that touches my garment is going to be healed. But this is for whoever believes. So if you've raised the dead or you've walked on water better than Jesus, you've done the greater works than Jesus like that, would you just raise your hand if that's... All right, so it must not be talking about that. Even Paul, when he identifies these different giftings, these gifts of healing and that kind of thing, he, he didn't say that was for all believers back when he identified those in, in, when he was writing to the Corinthian church. Jesus said this. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the work that Jesus came to do. His miracles were a part of drawing people to himself that their eternity might change that they might, they might come into the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went, he announced the kingdom of God. Another time when he's quoting Isaiah 61, one of the most beautiful things. Here is Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of, of Isaiah 61 in the midst of those that would know exactly what he's reading. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's the work of the Lord. When Jesus says, like whoever believes are going to do the work of, of, of him, his works, and greater works than these will he do, this is the work that he's talking about. I believe that this verse, to make a long story short, is Jesus' way of foreshadowing the great commission that he's about to give his disciples. That I'm inviting you into something that is bigger and greater than my work. I'm going to invite you to call every people group on earth, every tongue and tribe and nation, every tongue and tribe and nation that I've already purchased as Antony read. I'm inviting you into this beautiful work that is bigger and greater than what I have done. How beautiful is that? That Jesus would invite us into work that's greater in what ways? What's greater geographically? Like, we're sitting here a long ways from where he said this. We are a testimony of the gospel going forth. And many of you weren't born in this nation. And, and we're all here as worshipers of Jesus and interested in Jesus. Like, we're here because this work is so much greater geographically. Like, what kind of God would say, here you go, you, my creation, I'm going to hand you the greater work. That's, that's how much God wants to use us and glorify himself even more as he uses us. The work is so much more diverse. Like, one thing I love about greeting is I get to see the diversity come through our, our doors and, and just look at the, even here in College Station, which can come, sometimes feel, feel very uh, not diverse in some areas of our city. This church is diverse, especially our young adults. If you want to be blessed, go to Junction and just see the diversity of the body of Christ that's present. It's awesome. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to equip and empower you to bring, I'm going to have you reverse the Tower of Babel. I'm going to have you bring every tongue and tribe and nation into the kingdom of God, and we're going to have this beautiful unity that I've always dreamed of. Like Zach said, since the beginning of the world, he wants to fill this earth with people that reflect his image and worship him. And he's like, I'm so powerful, I'm going to do that through you. I promise I'm going to do it. It's bigger numerically. Like, the, the church is growing at faster rates. Can I, one, one quick story is in Central Asia right now, there's Iranian believers that are crossing borders out of persecution. They're having to leave their country and they're planting churches in Central Asia in places where the church doesn't exist. Like just think about that statement in our world today that Iranian believers are planting churches 
in Central Asia. The next time you watch the news in the country of Iran comes up, it's probably a little different than what we normally think of. Is it not? Percentage-wise, the church is growing faster in that nation than any other nation on earth right now. Percentage-wise, okay, not. But God is on the move. One of our workers just recently got to be part of a celebration where uh, he and his family work with the Bible Society And they got to be on the ground in Central Asia when a New Testament was brought into a people group for the very first time in print form. Can you imagine what that would be like? Some of you have seen videos of this online. Just stop and think for a minute that if the New New Testament, if the Bible was not in your language, how different our culture would be. Those of us that are Texans, we can think about the hospitals that wouldn't be here, the organizations that wouldn't be here, the churches that wouldn't be here. Like, this is a momentous occasion. And just the partying that went on, the celebration that went on, and that's happening all over the world. Do you realize that Wycliffe has a vision where they've kind of brought all the translation groups from all over the world together, and they're saying that by 2025, they want to see every translation needed in the world started. How, how far away is 2025? Like, do you remember how short a time ago it was 2019? And that, those were some long years, right? And by 2033, because of technology, those of you computer science nerds, yes, thank you. They are thinking they will have the New Testament done to where every person, not in every single language, but every person will have access to scripture. Like we're alive for that. This same worker shared with me that there was a team that took a similar New Testament that had just gotten completed, and they went to a village, and they asked the village elders respectfully if they could bring the New Testament into the village. And the elders were like, nope, we know who you are, nope. And they took those precious scriptures, and they threw them in the river. So that team walks back, and they're like, I thought we were doing greater works. I thought God would keep his promises. Probably dejected, probably really saddened. A few months later, they go to another village not far from there. You're ahead of me, aren't you? They ask the elders, can we come and bring this? And they're like, oh, we know this story. We know this story. One of our villagers was washing laundry in the river, and they found this book. And they took them and showed them like all the dried pages of this book. And and this woman had read the stories of Jesus and trusted that Jesus was her savior and had begun telling this village about it. And here they come. God's going to do greater works. Not because of us, but because of his power. Like he will not be rejected. He's going to move. Every tongue and tribe and nation will come to him. And then our work is greater because at this time, they're still looking forward to the work of Christ. Can you imagine how hard it would be to do evangelism if you're like, yeah, someday, where we get to look back and we get to say, he came. He came. And then a few verses later, Jesus said, I I got, pretty much said, I got to get to heaven so that you can have an even better helper, the Holy Spirit. We've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the greater works that Jesus has promised for all of us, that he is doing this in our midst. So more proof that God is doing greater works. This is the top sending countries, just efficiency, right? So I love mobilizing folks to go to the nations and take the gospel to places where there's very little access to the gospel. This is crazy to me. These aren't the countries sending the most goers, These are the countries that are most efficient at it. Would you have guessed Mongolia is the best sending nation on earth? For every 222 believers, they send one of their people out as a full-time gospel worker to another nation. How cool is that? Go Mongolia, right? Next time they walk into the Olympics, just be like, yes, best sending country in in the world right there. Just by the way, Aggies, you know who sends more goers to the nations than any university in the U.S.? How awesome that we get to be beside the best sending university in the U.S. But just look at that list. Thailand, bringing up the rear, 633 to 1. Every 633 workers, they send somebody out. Like, I'd have never guessed that. 
Beautiful. We're not in the top 10. I love it. Grace, we're right with Mongolia on pace. For about every 222 of us, we send one out. So we're going to count on the way out. And if you're 222, then uh, we're going to pull you aside. We've got a room right over here. i got some donuts left over, and we're going to talk about where you want to go, okay? So we're just going to draft you on, on the way out. But do we understand that missions conferences look like this just as much as they look like this? That the whole body of Christ has been given the Great Commission. And we're, it's just amazing what God is doing through our brothers and sisters. The world kind of looks like this at this point. The green is areas where the gospel is prevalent and there's access. The yellow is where there's some access to the gospel and the red are the places where the gospel is really rare. A lot of places in the red, you have a greater chance of being struck by lightning than hearing a, a, a testimony of the gospel that you can actually understand. In one nation in Central Asia, you're seven times more likely outside of the capital city to be struck by lightning than to hear the gospel. But can I tell you one cool thing about this map? Is there's a green splotch on this map. We'll just call it in East Asia. I don't know if you could figure out where I'm talking about or not. But this church got to be part of something beautiful. At one point in time, all of our workers had to exit Central Asia, and we went to this place called East Asia, and we got to be part of one of the greatest harvests the world's ever seen. I'm seeing faces in this crowd that got to be part of that harvest. Even one of our members of our church, even one of the attenders of our church today came to Christ as a part of this map went from red to green. I wish we could like truly fathom and celebrate that as a body, that, that in one of the most crowded places on earth, we went from the gospel being incredibly rare to at one point there was one in seven people Worshiping Jesus. Like, we got to be a part of that. That's just amazing that as we sent, as we prayed, as we gave, if you did any of that with us, that's God doing the greater work. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. You see, when Jesus takes care of our righteousness, that is no longer the center point of our religion. Every other religion, the center point of the religion is very selfish. It's like, am I doing enough to please God? Am I doing enough to get to paradise? Am I doing enough? And it becomes a very self-centered pursuit. But Jesus has already taken care of our righteousness, and we can immediately turn to others. And we have this good news, and we can say, like, hey, I, I, I want you. I want you to understand the kingdom of God. I want you to understand what Jesus has done for you. The way this looks in my life right now is a total proof that God has a sense of humor. Uh, I came to this church and joined our mobilization team, a team that, um, that raises up folks that want to go to the nations, trains them to go effectively to places where there's little access to the gospel. But about a year and a half ago, it was pretty clear that team was going to, they didn't need me. They were going to outrun me. That, I mean, like, way more capable and competent than me. And I love to start things. So I was praying, God, what would you have me start? And so I have a good friend that's an attender of our church. Some of you know Matthew Flippin. And at that time, God was placing on his heart a burden for the teacher deficit in our world. What an interesting burden, right? But I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's 250,000 more school teachers needed in the U.S. just to have the adequate number of teachers. And then if you add up the teacher deficit in almost every country, there's only a handful of countries, less than five, that have the teachers that they need. We need 26.6 million more teachers in our world. So Matthew and I started playing around with this question. He started asking this question, what if we filled those vacancies with people that love Jesus, love kids, and have been trained in a biblical worldview? Hmm. What if we met one of the greatest needs in society with the people of God? And so long story short, we, we got to form this thing called Hartwell University. I'd love to talk with you after if you're interested in it. And about a year ago, we formed this university, and it's totally targeted at solving the teacher deficit 
by filling schools with teachers that love Jesus, love kids, and are amazing teachers, but have been trained in a biblical worldview. Right now we have 360 people going through our bachelor's program, and what's cool is most of them are single parents, because our target audience in the U.S. is those already working for schools, so paraeducators, teacher's aides, living at the poverty line, being paid a, a small wage to do amazing work, but they've got proven grit and commitment to children. And it's just so fun to see them come in, have a pathway to a highly, highly, highly affordable bachelor's degree, and then be shown, like, this is how you can teach and have, have a beautiful impact like Christ in your communities. It's just been a blast. I never thought I would be involved with something like that. But God is doing a greater work. Let me keep my promise. Let me be quiet so we can get to the next thing here. Is when you go on this, this promise, I just ask you to just maybe spend some time in your quiet time, like actually fathom it. Do I believe about me what Jesus believes about me? Jesus goes on and he says, you'll do greater works because I'm going to the Father. Like, just wait until I'm back in the throne room with the Father. Like, I'm, we're going to bring so much power to this that we're going to work through you. That as I'm, I'm going to do these works through you. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, the fa- that, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We're doing this that God might be glorified. And if you need anything for this, I'm going to provide. And story after story from our goers that you can meet in just, just a little while, you're going to hear the provision of how God just, just creates what we need. He, he works in such ways. And he says, and I'll give you a helper, and I'm going to be with you forever. Like, those are promises from our, our God. So these verses are easy to read, but it's a little more difficult to live it out, huh? This isn't God saying, hey, I'm going to be your Aladdin, and you just rub the lamp and ask me for whatever. It's God saying, whatever you need in my name to accomplish this mission for me to work through you, I'm going to provide that. And instead of me unpacking these verses, I'm just going to ask Thomas, my friend, to come up, and he's just going to share a story that just recently happened in Central Asia. And I want you to listen to what it look, actually looks like for God to answer prayer in the way that he promises. Yeah, my name is Thomas Mask. Uh, I got to lead a trip two summers ago to Central Asia uh, that got sent out here from Anderson. And it was it was incredible. I went in with the highest expectations. Uh, I was like, I am about to see an unreached country reached. Like, God is going to do miracles here, uh, and it's going to be incredible. And so we went in, uh, and like three days in, uh, my friend AJ and I, we were going to the city center, to the square, to meet uh, with a student. And I had no idea uh, what God was actually about to do. Uh, and the student no-showed. Uh, he didn't show up. Uh, and so we sat there, and we were like, well, uh, do we go home? Uh, we were like, no, there's a food truck with hot dogs. We're for sure getting hot dogs. Uh, so we go up uh, to order hot dogs, but we're Americans, and there's a language barrier. So uh, we couldn't really order hot dogs. But in God's uh, perfect design, uh, this 52-year-old man, uh, we'll call him Jimmy, uh, came up, and he's an English teacher, and he ordered our hot dogs for us. Uh, and he invited us to join him for dinner. And so we sat outside and we talked to him for hours. Uh, and we, we got to hear what it is like uh, for him to live in a Muslim country but not ascribe to the beliefs of Islam himself. And, and we got to just share for hours. And then the conversation turned to us and we got to share the gospel. We got to share the good news of Jesus with Jimmy. And, and he, he sat there, and he hadn't quite heard anything like this. He'd never heard of this triune God before. And so we went home that night, and we were just blown away. We were in tears. We were like God's perfect design. And our team, we stayed up all night that night praying, begging God to save Jimmy. And, and throughout the next month, we met with him uh, so many times, and we got to keep sharing the gospel with him. Uh, and I watched this man pray himself and ask God to reveal himself to him if he's real. And so that night, we go home again, and again, we stay up all night, and we're praying, begging God, please heal his leg, give him a dream, give him a vision, do something. This man wants to know if you're real. But there was, there was no dream. 
His leg was not healed. In fact, the last time I met with him uh, that summer, the last thing he said to me was, you see the world through religious lens, but I see reality. He wasn't interested anymore, uh, and that was a punch in the gut. My heart sank. I, I cried. I didn't think I was a crier, but I'll tell you, I'm a crier. Uh, <laughs> I, I went home, and the last thing I did, I gave him a Bible in his local language. I was like, God, this is, this is on you. You have to do a miracle. I, I came home. I had to see a counselor in the fall. This last, last fall, uh, I was heartbroken, and I was like, God, do, do I want him to be saved more than you do? Uh, like, what? He, he asked you to show yourself, and you didn't. And so I went through the whole year really just diving into Scripture and so, so many times of just crying with people and wondering, what? what? Like, what? Uh, it brought me to a place where I really had to believe, God, if, if this country is going to be reached, if this man, Jimmy, is going to be reached, you have to do a miracle. Somehow, God created a way for me to go back to Central Asia just a few months ago, this, this last summer. And I go in such high expectations again, but no idea what to expect with Jimmy. And, and day three again, we meet with him. Uh, man, it was so sweet. We got to laugh and share stories about the last year since the last time I had seen him. And in the middle of the story, as talking, I asked him a question. I said, uh, Jimmy, have you, have you had a chance to read the Bible that I left you? And he's an English teacher, and he said, yes, actually. I've, I've been using uh, this Bible to teach my neighbor English for the last year. And the more that I read this Bible, the more that I realized it, it has to be true. Jesus is, Jesus is God. He did die on the cross for our sins. He did raise from the dead. He is the answer to the brokenness in this world. He is who he says he is. And I, again, didn't think I was a crier. And I just, I started weeping in front of this man. And this is how he pronounces my name. He goes, oh, Thomas, you're emotional. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm emotional. <laughs> uh, and over the course of the next month, uh, we just got to meet with him and read the Bible with him. And not only had he started reading the Bible and believed, but now he, he was sharing these stories of Jesus that he had read with the students that he teaches. And so now, it didn't happen the way that I thought it would. In fact, I was, I was, I was a mess. Uh, but God answered every single one of our prayers in the exact way that he knew that Jimmy needed them. And now, we get to call him a brother, and now I cannot wait to worship alongside him for all eternity in heaven. What a God. Awesome. Thanks, bro. Come on up. So we're going to close today just hearing from uh, some of our workers. Uh, this is, um, I'll let them introduce themselves. We have somebody that went on a short-term trip, somebody that's about to be sent out from our church, and then a couple that's a very special couple in our hearts uh, from Central Asia, and uh, we just like to ask them a few questions. Uh, I do want to just share with you that if, if this is just ignited in your heart, just a desire to learn more about what God's doing in the nations, uh, you can just take a shot of this QR code. We'll keep it up. And uh, there's different opportunities, uh, different ways that you can take next steps uh, towards the nations, different ways you can take next steps to uh, jump into um, some different trainings that we have and opportunities that we have for you, or even meet one-on-one -on -one and just try to figure out, God's doing something in my life, and I, I want to take next steps. I want to take more steps of letting him do the greater works in me. I would just invite you to, uh, to shoot uh, this QR code. Um, so Todd, can you grab my phone and bring it to me? Thanks. It'll help me. Um, so just want to start uh, by just asking these guys, why don't you introduce yourselves and just share how you're connected to Grace. Here I go. Hi, my name is Evan White, and I've been at Grace my whole life, um, and I was first introduced to Grace through my parents. Awesome. And what brings you up on the stage here? Um, I got to go on two um, shorter trips this, this past summer. Um, one was to New York, and one was to South Asia, and um, I was really transformed by this, these two trips, um, and I was deeply matured, and I got to see the Lord's work. Awesome. Um, my name is Mutabar. I'm from Central Asia, and uh, we are partnering with this church since 2000. 
since you started sending them to our country. <laughs> and uh, the, yeah. Um, my name is Farhat and my wife um, and I, we are from Central Asia, uh, born and raised there. Uh, came to know the Lord um, 25 years ago and uh, how we're connected with Grace Bible Church. Uh, uh, 1991, um, Soviet Union fall apart. Central Asia used to be a part of uh, Soviet Union. Uh, God opened the doors for uh, believers to come and uh, witness. Uh, 2000, about 2000, Grace Bible Church commissioned uh, young professionals, uh, graduates of Texas A&M, who put the yeses, uh, they just trusted the Lord, came to Central Asia, and in 2000, in 1991, we didn't have any believer, any follower of Christ. Uh, 2016, we got our full Bible translated into one of the Central Asian languages, and one month ago, uh, I can officially say that uh, we have our first uh, local registered church. Mm. Who do you think uh, are in a board leaders and elders of that church? Disciples who spend hours and hours with this local people. They are workers from Grace Bible Church. We uh, started our partnership uh, in 2000, and there were many uh, short-term, long-term uh, workers who came who trusted the Lord, and they came, and as you guys know, when Texan, you know, <laughs> trust the Lord. We don't even have Lord. to finish that sentence. We just know, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> God does supernatural things, and we love uh, Grace Bible Church, and uh, it's an uh, honor and privilege to be here today. Uh, I'm Ethan. Uh, I actually worked with the uh, Global Outreach Department last year. Um, my job was to hang the flags that you see. It was, uh, it was really fun <laughs> to do. Great job. So thank you. Not this year, but you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a joy to be here on stage and talk about um, my wife and I's path to missions ourselves. Um, my name is Brittany. I am the children's coordinator here at Grace, and my husband and I are planning and preparing to go within the next year, year and a half. So. Awesome. Uh, do you guys want to share any more parts of your story, or do you want to wait? Is there anything else? I just don't, uh, don't want to limit you. Uh, I want to ask my wife to uh, share a little bit uh, how, about her journey with the Lord. That'd be great. Okay. Um, I was a I was a Muslim. I was a, a devout Muslim, praying five times a day and uh, fasting every Ramadan. Um, after graduation of high school, I went to the college, and this is where I met with my English teacher, who came actually from uh, Great Britain, and she invited me to her house and she shared the good news with me. Um, there was a m many obstacles, but I kept coming to her house, and uh, she was um, studying uh, the Bible with me together. Um, she opened from Romans one day, and she read that the uh, wages of the sin is death, and the gift, free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that really, I was shocked hearing that I'm, you're saying that every Muslim, I mean, every person, Whoever um, they still sin and they go, they, they're gonna die. And she said, "Yes, if you don't know Jesus, yes." Um, so the other day, then next time she opened the Bible and she read that God is He's a father to the fatherless and He's a protector of widows. And it really struck my heart because um, I, I I was raised by my grandparents without my father and mother and. Uh, I started weeping, and she said, what happened? I said, I didn't know that God cares about me, and God loves so much um, kids who don't have a parents, and uh, uh, he loves poor people, he loves widows. He said, yes, he wants to be your father. 
I said, I'm so confused the whole my life. I thought I'm a true way, and um, I, I, I don't know what to do. And she said, I see that you are really seeking God. Why you don't ask God yourself? So I came home that day, and I decided to talk to God like my teacher. She said, don't pray in Arabic. He understands your own language. I'm from Central Asia, so um, <laughs> that, just talk in your language to God. Um, I started talking to God, and I said, God, I believe that you created me. You created this universe, and I believe that you are hearing me now, and uh, I really want to know you, and i confused. Who are you? So that night, something happened. Uh, I had a dream. In my dream, there was a light. Um, from that light, that light has almost blinded my eyes. When I opened my eyes, the man appeared in a white and shiny robe, and he had very kind-hearted eyes, and he was looking straight at me. And suddenly, he stretched his arms toward me. And uh, he called me by my name and uh, approached me so personally. And he said, Mutabar, come to me. That was it. I was shocked. I couldn't do anything on my knees. Um, I fell on my knees and I said, I thank you so much. I believe that you're in Jesus and God is in Jesus. God is Jesus. And I said, I will follow you till the end of my life, no matter the cost. I don't care what my grandparents will do to me or what my husband will do to me. I will follow you till the end of my life. So this is how I became a believer. Awesome. And it was a few years later that your husband became a believer, right? Yes. So beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. So a fun piece about their story is uh, some of you, how many of you remember, how many of you were around when we started that partnership back when Brian was college pastor with Central Asia? And some of you have been there and been part of that. We, we've started that there and then had to go to East Asia where God did beautiful things. And then now the doors are back open in Central Asia and we're able to refocus again in Central Asia. It's just been uh, incredible. And for those of you with Muslim friends, I want you to think about this. Research says that a Muslim is 100 times more likely to, to engage with the gospel than the average white European uh, person. So could that just change our minds of how we approach our friends and let's stop talking ESPN and the weather and let's talk Jesus with them? Maybe, okay? Um, so Ethan and Brittany and Evan, this question's for you guys. Uh, sometimes when we think about missions, we think about influencing others, but God kind of takes us to foreign places sometimes to really make us small and him big. And we'd just love to just ask you, how has that happened in your life? How has God used a foreign culture or a trip to uh, just really change your view of him and your worship of him? I think God has changed my view of him by, by him showing me his, his bigness, his, his greatness. And really from this, um, getting to go to New York and South Asia, I just really, I really started to understand how great he can be when these people who don't know the good news, um, how they can just, how they can experience this and how he can be working in their lives whenever they might not want to know, but God exposes himself in different and wildly, um, wild, wild ways. And I think through going, going on a mission, you can really start to understand this because people have different beliefs than you. They, they talk differently, they act differently. But this, this can be really be used to um, expose you to different things. And so through this, you can get to share the gospel with them. And that's just a really powerful experience that you get to have. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's like two different things, right? One is, one is big and the other is smaller. Um, I'm from a small town, Texas. I know we have many transplants in College Station who might be from a similar background. And I remember walking to church one day, and it was a lot of people over 60. And I just felt a weight at that time. I said, man, our church loves the nations. I know that. I believe that. I've seen that. That's God's call for us. But they're not equipped to go. They, they can't travel overseas. And God, you've, I don't have, at that time, I didn't have a spouse. I didn't have a mortgage, no kids. It's like, this is how I can serve. And it really excited me in a way that I was really scared of. I was like, I can't do that. That's not for me. What? Um, but God, I, I surrendered at that point. I said, God, if I'm going to do that, that's only by your call, and I'm terrified. Would you, would you get me there? And I think it's been slowly step by step. And the same thing happens in small moments when I'm like, 
this person, I, I see them, I see that they aren't seen. God, but you see them. How can I see them the same way? Let me be uncomfortable for a moment and love them the way you do. And I think that is the heart. The more that I see that, that we just have to, to take to places where no one's doing that. No one's trying to see people like God is. Awesome. Brittany, I'm going to change the question on you, yeah. if that's okay. So <laughs> here at Grace, we, we see missions as a team sport. And there's people that uh, send and people that go. Both of those reflect God's heart. Like God the Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, Jesus came. But uh, there's people that care for missionaries, people that give, people that um, uh, go. Um, just what would you say to the body as you're kind of building that team to be behind you? What would you, what would you say yeah. to our church? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I would probably say two things. Um, one, just like openly go to the Lord and ask him how he is calling you to engage. I think sometimes that can look really different for everybody, whether that's knowing somebody personally who's going and like praying with them and engaging with them. Um, and then, yeah, the second way would just be to find a way to engage. If you know someone who's interested in going overseas, ask them about that. Ask them about what they're doing, where they're hoping to go, what their ministry will look like, um, and find ways to engage with the people who are going. And maybe even just ask that question yourself of, like, what it would look to go on a short-term trip, what it would look like to step into those cross-cultural ministry contexts. Awesome. So this is for whoever wants it. Um... We were talking this morning that Jesus is going to do this. He's going to do this even through our weaknesses. How do you feel inadequate? Like, what is the inadequacy that you're like, God, you're going to have to fill this one up in me? Yeah, I can speak to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is very humbling to step into any cross-cultural context of not being able to speak the language, not knowing the food, not knowing how to travel or get on a metro. Like, it's extremely humbling to have mm -hmm. to ask for help constantly from the people around you and from the Lord and I think that's been the best experience is just learning how to abide in the Lord and rely on him because apart from him, I can't do anything. My value comes from him alone and everything that he does through me is through him alone. Evan, you want to shoot for that one? Um, kind of with this question, I would say um, really we, we don't have any power besides uh, uh, other than God. And so I think um, it's a good experience of being able to trust God. And in a situation, you're, you're befriending this person and you're trying to get to know them more, um, figure out who they are and the things that they believe in. And really, the whole time you're praying, you're just asking God, you're saying, hey God, can you please, please, please work in this guy's life? Um, because we don't have any power to do that. He's speaking through us, um, through the things that we say. And really, it's just it's, it's an impactful event because whenever you're meeting with this person, you have this intent of showing the gospel to them. You want them to know the good news. Um, and you really just have to trust in God through that. That's good. So Farhad and Mukhtabar, we know that uh, reaching the nations is not about addition, but about multiplication. That he calls us to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Uh, can you just share a story about somebody that's outshining you? Somebody that you got to reach that, and, and raise up and now they're they're outrunning you. Because if Jesus can say this about us, we can say this about those we disciple, right? Absolutely. Um, you just, uh, in the morning, encouraged us uh, reading uh, John 14, uh, whoever believes. Uh, we, when we, when we trust him, uh, he can. The power of Holy Spirit uh, can do uh, a lot. And uh, based on my experience, we are first, my wife and I first generation of believers in Central Asia, uh, our disciples are second generation, and it's an encouragement for us to see that they will be leading. Our kids, it's, it's the future, and we are responsible uh, that they would grow godly, and Great Commission is about multiplication, and I'm uh, all I want to say is uh, seeing them leading. Mm. Uh, you know, this is, you know, the huge answer to our prayers, uh, having the uh, full Bible in our own language and be able, when we started, we, we had only New Testament mm. and we had to go to other languages, sources, English, Russian, uh, and, but, God allowed, uh, because of your generosity, because of your prayers, God allowed 
that Bible to be translated fully. And uh, now we are rejoicing along with the body of Christ that we have first registered church. We even didn't dream about it. We, we were dreaming when, but it happened. Mm. It happened. We, we, we just heard, and I was in tears when I heard. Yeah. And our disciples are leading. Our disciples can authorize to preach legally in, the, in our own local, local language. And that's, that's a huge news for us. Yeah, yeah uh, I can share like a quick story uh, about Change Life. Um, when we were in our country, it was... It was not easy, yeah, but uh, when you, in your own language, you're so comfortable to share, and uh, it, it was different. And because of severe persecution, we left our country, went to different countries of Central Asia, and the Lord uh, greatly used us there. Um, and uh, we, were, we, we were witnessed of how um, the, the people became a believer there. And then when we came here, it's totally different. It's like we are goers here now. Uh, we we work with international students. So I recently, a couple of years ago, I started doing Bible study with a Persian woman, Iranian woman. Uh, as I was studying, she one day said that my neighbor, uh, I have a neighbor, uh, it's a very good relationship with her. She's from Costa Rica. Can I invite her? I said, yeah, sure. So she joined us. And then... The Costa Rican lady said, I have a neighbor from Vietnam. Can I invite my Vietnamese neighbor? So she came. So I'm sitting with three ladies, this Iranian, Costa Rican, and Vietnamese. I don't speak in any, well, I speak Persian, but I don't speak in other languages. They're opening three kind of different Bibles, three big dictionaries. I have a white board. Um, so I'm going so slow <laughs> because I want them to understand uh -huh. what they're learning. And our topic was grace. Uh, that's very important. If you don't understand grace, nothing happens. So um, word by She's word. She's saying grace, by the way. Grace, not race. Grace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, as we went through that, the Holy Spirit worked so mightily. I'm like... Okay, Lord, all your disciples were not smart people, but we all had have a Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is so powerful, he will work through that. And as we are going, the Costa Rican lady, she started crying and weeping because she was a whole her life uh, Catholic. Mm. She said, I was living uh, by law all these years. I, I was arguing and fighting with my husband every day, and I almost became a nun because I didn't know that there is a free gift of grace. She didn't understand the meaning of the grace at all. Mm. And it's, she's there, um, accepted Jesus, uh, prayed. Um, she dedicated her life again to Christ. And she started, um, God started mightily using her. She started sharing in her neighborhood with uh, so many Latino families there. And uh, she was baptized, her daughter was baptized. And just a couple months ago, she said, the Lord is calling me back to Costa Rica. I want to go back and serve my nation. Wow. So she went back there. Vietnamese became a believer, too. So they moved to different places with, with the her Vietnamese husband. Hmm? With the Vietnamese speaker, you said? Was, what was that last part? V Vietnamese woman. Vietnamese woman, yeah. Yeah, okay, she awesome. became a believer. And uh, the Iranian one also serves between uh, Iranian uh, ladies wow. now. So how amazing that God would take a couple from Central Asia and bring them to lead that group to, to like, that's the world we're living in today. It's just beautiful. So uh, you can hear more from uh, uh, Farhad and Muktabar tonight at Taste and See. And I uh, would just like to invite uh, Farhad to read uh, just the Great Commission in his language from this Bible that he's been talking about. And uh, do you want to just close with this or we, we want to, yep, we're going to close with this and uh, I'll just, I'll pray after you're done. I'll be reading from Matthew 28, 19, 20 in um, Central Asian language. Shuni uchun borib barsha xalqlardan shogird ortringlar. Ularni ota, o'g'il va muqaddas ruhnomi bilan suvga cho'mdirib imonga kirkiritinglar. Men sizlarga buyurgan hamma narsaga amal qilishga ularga o'rgatinglar. Mana, men har kuni dunyoning oxirigacha sizlar bilan birga bo'laman. 
Amen. Father, we just thank you that you have given us everything that we need to serve you. You promise that the Holy Spirit indwells us. We have the finished work of Christ. We have this promise. We have the powerful gospel. We have the word of God that is relevant and true for all people in all times and all places. And Father, I just pray that we would believe about ourselves what you believe about us, that, that you are capable of working through us. May we as a church see our neighbors come to Jesus. May you continue to grace us with seeing the nations be discipled. And Father, I pray that we would just continue to celebrate every tongue and tribe and nation coming to know you. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful work you've invited us into. We love you in your name. Amen.